Lutheran Church, Andy and Chantel's family. Thank God that he protected them, brought them back to us. We're going to keep that in mind. But we're missing some this morning, but we're going to continue on, amen? want everybody to stand in honor of the reading of God's word. We're going to be reading from Revelations 4 and 5. If you need a Bible, please raise your hand. The ushers will give you one. If you are a child and you need one of the children's binders, please raise your hand and the ushers will get one for you. We're going to be reading Revelations 4, 1. Reading these next two chapters and it says... After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, with one seated on the throne. He who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. And around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The four living creatures, the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever. And ever, they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, "Worthy are you, O our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created." Then I saw on the right hand of Him who sat on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, "Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals?" And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures, among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Then I looked, 
And I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. That is God's word. And we're going to be preaching through chapter 5 today. I want to pray for our pastor, my father, as he's awake today. He'll be back this evening. We want to have a service that's an honor to his absence. We're going to pray that I'm faithful to the word. We're going to pray that we, he brings them back safely to us. We're going to pray for all of us in this church as we contemplate God's word today. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for my father, <coughs> Lord, <coughs> who has given and dedicated his life to serve in the ministry. He's given up money and prestige to serve in his pulpit, Lord. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you, Lord, for the word that goes out in this church, Lord, that is a testimony that this church is faithful to your truths. We pray, Lord, that we will be faithful to your word, that we will be counted as worthy to be those who proclaim your truths. We pray, Lord, that this service will be an honor to you. We pray and thank you, Lord, for bringing us to this point, Lord. This church has had a rocky history. We've met many challenges. We've had many obstacles in our path, but you've brought us through every one. And so we thank you for that, Lord. We pray and thank you for all these things, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's call it a choir forward. Thank God for being able to go through his word and preach it, it's always an honor to preach and be used. Family and I, we've been used a lot in the last few weeks. And I praise God for that. That's an honor and a credit to God for deeming us worthy to be used. It's a a compliment to be used but we've been preaching and um, I've been preaching for the last six weeks Sweet Communion then Sussex then up north and what is that town Adam Lake then Rescue Mission and then two weeks here that's six weeks yeah it's the last. Sometimes you got to thank God when you go through. You're like, whew. But it's good because uh, I've grown. And God has put his word in my heart and grown 
my gift. Sometimes you got to grow yourself by stretching beyond what you think you can do. So God is good in doing that. He forces that on us because we don't want to do that. Nobody wants to grow in that way. But God makes us grow. I also want to thank God for our partner churches. They're actually the reason for this message in Revelations 5. They took me and dad to a conference. And at this conference, we learned a lot about the book of Revelations. We learned a lot about preaching. I learned a lot about preaching. It changed the way that I think about preaching. So I thank God for that. Also changes, maybe it didn't change mine as much, but I was glad to see other men talk about the book of Revelations because I've not been afraid of Revelations, but I know a lot of people are afraid of Revelations. Maybe you are afraid of Revelations. Maybe you get nervous when you hear about the book of Revelations. You're like, man, I don't know what these eyes and all these wings and what does this mean, what does that mean, and what is the color of this? And some guy gets up on WC, you know, WVCY and says something, and you're like, how do I know whether that's true or not? There's Harold Camby out there telling people when the end of the world would be, and he was wrong. And then there's other people who think they know stuff, and they don't know things. And you know they don't know, but you don't know how you can say they don't know. And so you just end up staying away from that book. And a lot of people, even pastors, have gotten the pulpit and told people, stay away from this book which is not a good thing because the book opens up with a blessing on those who read it. So we've been holding people back from the blessings of God. So it's a good book. It's nothing to be shied away from. And if you want to walk through it with me, I will walk through it with you. But we're going to walk through it together today. Because Revelations is a good book. It's necessary for today because Revelation is a book that Jesus commissioned John to write to encourage the saints who were struggling. And they were going to be encouraged with three main things, none of which most people focus on. The first thing that they're going to be encouraged by is God's sovereignty. The second thing they're going to be encouraged by in the book of Revelations is the perseverance of the saints. No one can take this out of the Father's hand. And then you're going to be encouraged by the worship of Revelations. Revelations is the Psalms of the New Testament. Just like James is the Proverbs of the New Testament, Revelations is the Psalm of the New Testament. There's so many songs in there. And there's a reason. Because they needed these things because they were being persecuted. And if you are in a struggle, if you are being persecuted, Revelations was written for you. It's not meant to throw you in confusion. It's meant to throw you down and you throw yourself before the throne of God and say, you are worthy, Lord. You know what we're about to go through. You're telling us these things so that we know who's in charge. We don't have to understand every detail to understand the main point, which is God is the driver of history. He determines what will happen and when it will happen. He's not surprised by any challenge. There's no scheme against God. You cannot plot against God. There's nothing he does not know. There's nothing you're capable of that he cannot determine. So the book of Revelations is a good book. That's why I'm going to teach it. I hope to take away some of the mystery in it. 
because it's not supposed to have this cloud hanging over it like the rest of the Bible is accessible in Revelations. You have to like put your spiritual hat on and get your prayer rug out before you can read it. It's a good book. Chapter 1 starts out telling us this, that this book is straight from Jesus and that Jesus is the Ancient of Days. The Ancient of Days was spoken of in Daniel. We might have thought that that was God the Father, but Revelations tells us that is Jesus who is the Ancient of Days. He is the one that determines what will happen. He's the one that's in charge. Chapters 2 and 3, they tell us that Jesus has absolute authority over his church, and he knows everything that's going on. There is no secret about what's going on in his church. He knows it in and out. And then when we get to chapter 4, we're introduced to the throne room of God. In there, we see a group of people that may seem weird to us, but they're not weird. There's the elders. And again, I don't know exactly who they represent, but to me, they represent the leaders of God's people. You see a sea of glass. You might say, what is that? Well, what is God doing? Where is heaven? Heaven is above us. What's a sea of glass? He can look through it and he can see everything that's going on down and below. What are the four creatures? Well, they look weird, but they're simply guardians of heaven, right? You don't go through God's throne without going through the four guardians. Just like a present is surrounded by his secret service, God is always surrounded by these four creatures. You can't approach the throne. Nobody can approach the throne unless God wills it. And then you got God who can hardly be described, right? He's described by all these different precious minerals. And the whole thought is simply this. You can't describe God. When you meet God, the expression in your heart is indescribable. What you see, it cannot be drawn. It would not make sense to any artist. It transcends reality because you are struck with simply God. And as we see God, you got these creatures, and what do they praise God for? They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. He's praised because he's holy. He's praised because he's eternal. There's no limit to God. And all praise and worship to God in verse 9. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. Worthy. That's an important word. For you created all things. And by your will, they existed and were created. In other words, God is worthy because he's our creator and because by him all things exist and have their being. 
in him is the fullness of everything. He upholds the universe by his will. If God was to fall asleep, the universe would cease to exist because the universe is upheld by the thought of God. And he's sitting on his throne, absolutely sovereign. Sitting. He's not anxious. He's not wringing his hands. He's absolutely at ease. And that's the background because chapter 4 is the setting for chapter 5. God never stops being seated on his throne throughout all the revelations. So if you really want to understand the picture of revelations, never forget that when you see all these weird images, does God ever get up and is he ever surprised? No, he sits on his throne because nothing surprises God. Everything is going exactly according to plan. In chapter 5, first thing we're going to see is the scroll. Where is it? It's in the right hand of God. The right hand is his power, right? The right hand is his dominant hand. If anything, you would challenge God, you would never challenge his right hand. And in there is his scroll. It's filled with words on both sides. Now, that's unusual because normally when they wrote a scroll, they only wrote on one side. So why would it be filled with words on both sides? Well, there was only two examples for when you wrote on both sides. One was if you were too poor to afford another scroll. And the other one, I don't think that fit, fits with God, does it? The other one is you wanted all your words to be in one place. Because what you had was a legal document that you didn't want separated in any way. It was only in one place. And it has seven seals. What does that talk about? Well, we know what seven is. Seven is a number of completion. But the seals simply talk about the majesty. Because in those day and age, just like you might watch an ancient Chinese movie or you might watch a movie about the Roman emperors, a message had a seal on it and you did not open that seal unless you were worthy. If you opened something that was sealed and you did not have the, the imperial seal in the Chinese movies, right? or if in Roman times you didn't have the rank to open that seal, you were committing a penalty worthy of death. So the worth of opening that seal is infinite because it's seven of them. What is the scroll? Well, the scroll is the purpose of God. The scroll is all the blessings and judgments and purpose for everything for the future. And so a mighty angel comes forth in verse 2. The mighty angel, why is he mighty? Because he has a voice so loud he can talk to everybody in creation. 
And so he had to be mighty to do that. And he sits there and he says, who is worthy to open the scroll? And there's not a creature in heaven. And if you can imagine it's a movie, the camera pans out. There's not a creature on earth. And it pans out. There's not a creature under the earth. There's not a creature that even died before that's worthy. There is absolute silence. His voice echoes. And John weeps. We have to ask this, why does John cry? Because without that scroll being opened, there is no purpose. That scroll contains all of God's will, all of God's purpose. Without that scroll, there is no purpose, there's no point. Without that scroll, we might as well eat and drink because tomorrow we die. Without that scroll being open, what's the point of living a sacrificial life for Jesus Christ? What's the point of being faithful to our husband and wives? What's the point of being faithful to God's word? What's the point of praying? What's the point of praising? Why did we sacrifice so much? Why is John the only one alive and even he's been banished to an island? What's the point of it all? If God's purpose is not revealed, it's a reason that he should cry. You know, it's sad because we live in a world that doesn't have any purpose. And they're too stupid to cry. John cried because he knew there was no purpose without God. But we live in a world that says there is no God and they're surprised when people kill themselves. They're surprised when people shoot up schools. They're surprised when people strap bombs to themselves. It's surprised some people take SUVs and run over kids. And then they kill themselves like they just entered a video game. But it's not a surprise because they have no purpose. We're surprised because depression is going out of control in our society. And we say to ourselves, there's no reason people should be depressed because we've never been richer. We've never had more stuff to do. There's never been more ways to entertain yourself. So why are people depressed? But how can we be so silly not to see that with no purpose, there is no hope? So John is the crying of a wise man who sees what existence looks like with no purpose. But then the elder comes. He says, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll in its seven seals. Where's the comfort? The comfort is on the lion. He talks about him being the root of David. But if you look at the prophets, they talk about the branch of David. And so what we can look at is we can say he's the root and the shoot of David. 
In other words, he not only comes from David, he supports David. He is bigger than David. He is a lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion was always associated with Judah. It was the sign of the king. So we got a king coming. He has conquered, victorious in war, undefeatable. And now he is worthy to open the scroll. We could see in this passage that only Jesus is the cure for depression. Because only Jesus offers purpose and hope. And so he says, the lion is coming. But in verse 6, we see a lamb. I say, did the elder lie? He promised us a lion. What do we see? We see a lamb that appears in between the throne and the elders. And what we get from this is that he belongs in heaven. He didn't come from outside. He was always there. He simply appeared. We could not see him before, but now we see he is with the throne. He's associated with the throne. He belongs next to God. We see him standing on his own power, yet he looks to be slain. That's like a sacrificial lamb. He's been slain, but somehow he is still standing under his own power as if the death has no power over him. He's definitely a lamb. But now he has seven horns. And what do horns, horns symbolize but power? And seven is the number of completion, which means he has complete power, so he's definitely a lion. And he's got seven eyes which means he has complete union with the Holy Spirit and complete access to the power of God. He's not a lamb or a lion. He's a lion and he's a lamb. And he takes the scroll. And what does scripture say? John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the and the word was with God, and the word was God. Hebrews 1 says, God spoke in various ways in the past, but today he has spoken to us through his. Only Jesus is worthy to speak the words of God. What is a word? A word is a way of communicating a thought. And it says the mind of God is incomprehensible. But yet, we have the mind of God because we have the mind of Christ. We might have thought that we were alienated from God, but God gave us a word so that when his mind has a thought, it's connected to us. His brain to our brain connected by a word. That's Jesus. And in the past, there used to be visions and dreams and prophets and signs. But in the present, we see only Jesus. He takes the scroll because he's the only one 
who God uses to communicate his truth. And when he takes the scroll, they bust out in praise. Because in verse 8 it says, they brought up a harp. And what is a harp? A harp is an instrument of joy. In ancient Israel, you couldn't play a sad song with a harp. It just didn't make sense. It would be like playing a funky bass line on a sad song. It just can't be done. You can't do it. You bring out a harp, it had to be a happy song. It had to be. And so the elders bring out a harp. With the harp, they bring out these golden bowls. And what are these bowls filled with? The prayers of the saints. In other words, the church praises. And what do they bring? Instruments of joy and prayer. Because now there's a point to praying because God's purpose can be revealed. And the song of worship is similar to the song that we heard in chapter 4. Because there's no way you can read the scripture and not recognize that the elders worship Jesus like they worship God the Father. So they worship him. And they say, worthy are you. Because you were slain. And you ransomed a people of every tribe. We have the whole world fighting for racial harmony, but they don't know nothing about racial harmony. They want to talk about MLK, but they know nothing about bringing white and black together until they understand the blood of Jesus, who he ransomed for himself a people. And ransomed is more than saved. Because if you save something, you take it out the fire and then you leave it. But he ransomed meaning he took it out of the fire, and he made it his. And so are we. We not just saved, we're ransomed, we are bought, we are his, we bought with a price. We are now the temple of the people of God. He said, you made them a kingdom and priest to our God. Which talks about unfettered access to worship. Because you could be a priest, but if the kingdom was against you, you could be persecuted. And you could be a kingdom. But if the priest was of the wrong God, you had no access to God. But when you have a kingdom and priest, there's no stopping you. And they will reign. And you got to imagine a saint that's reading this. Last week, his deacon was killed. Two weeks ago, his pastor was killed. He's thinking to himself, I will reign. Jesus is saying, yes. This persecution will not last forever. You will win in the end. Then all of heaven burst out in praise. They say, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Millions and millions of angels break out in praise. And they praise God with seven attributes. Look at them. Count them up. Power, wealth, 
wisdom, might, honor, glory, blessing. Seven is a number of completion or perfection. They have perfected praise. This is perfect praise. Then all creation praises God. There is not a single being that does not praise God. This is not talking about saved and unsaved. This is simply saying there is no choice but to praise God. They say to him, right? They address it. They make sure everybody knows. Hey, wait, wait, wait. This is not to Muhammad. This ain't to Allah. This ain't to Buddha. No, hey. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And they address them together because you can't worship one without the other. And you know what? If you look through the rest of the book of Revelations, those two are never separate again. Jesus, I and the Father are one. They said, Jesus, can you show us the Father? He said, have you been with me so long that you don't see? If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And what does he mean by that? He said, how can you see me? He was saying it like I'm saying right here. How can you see me and not see the pulpit? I'm standing right next to it. So how can you see me and not see the Father? Because me and the Father are one. All creation breaks out in submissive praise. Blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Hey, God, it's you. We can't do nothing but praise. And all of heaven's court, they say amen. Because there's nothing else to say. And all through this, God is still sitting on his throne. Absolutely sovereign, reminding us that Jesus alone reveals God's purpose. I want us to leave with six challenges. The first is this, that Revelation is a book of encouragement. It's encouragement to saints under intense persecution, wondering what's the point. And it's not just a glimpse of the future, it's encouragement for today. Whenever you see people focusing on all these things about who's the Antichrist and all this, they may be on to something, but they are completely off track. Because the book of Revelations is written for a purpose, and that is to encourage the saints today. We can get so lost in the visions. We can get so lost looking forward that we trip over the stone that's under our own foot. Jesus is not intending us to do that with revelations. He's intended for us to say, I'm showing you this so you can live today a better life. He's not just telling us that so we can pretend to be wise. He's telling us that so we can live triumphantly now. Challenge number two. How can you not worship God when he alone is worthy? Worthy is the key word. Look, chapter 4, verse 11. Worthy are you, O Lord and God. Chapter 5, verse 2. Who is worthy to open the scroll? Chapter 5, verse 4. 
and I began to weep because no one was found worthy. Verse 9, worthy are you to take the scroll. In verse 12, worthy is a lamb who was slain. Worthy is the key word. Worthy is the key to worship. If God is worthy, and he alone is worthy, he alone is worthy of worship. So praise him, number three, in difficult times, especially in difficult times. As we look at these saints, what are they encouraged by? They are encouraged by song. Look at chapter 4 in verse 8. That's a song. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy. That's one of my favorite songs in our church. Holy, holy, holy. It's a song. Verse 11 is a song. Worthy are you, our God, Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Another song, worthy are you to take this scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priest to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Another song, worthy is the Lord Lamb that was slain to receive the seven attributes, power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And to him who sits on the throne to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. They're encouraged by song because praised is directly related and a brother to thankfulness. And thankfulness is the guardian of the soul. You cannot be thankful and sin at the same time. You just cannot. You can't be thankful and lustful unless you're thankful for your wife or your husband, which, hey, praise God. But you can't be thankful and be lustful for somebody else. You can't be thankful and not be content. You can't be thankful and be complaining. You can't be thankful and be angry. You can't be thankful and be depressed. Thankfulness guides the heart. We're ultimately going to work to perfect praise like heaven's choir. They reflected the seven ways of praising God. We should work to do the same. Challenge number four, God is absolutely sovereign. His will is irrefutable. Everything goes according to his purpose. He is sitting on the throne. And what does it mean to sit? He is completely at ease. He never stands because he's never worried. He don't have to get up and do nothing. Not because he's lazy, but because it's already taken care of. Point number five. Beware those who claim to have peaked at the purpose of God but they don't know the Son. Look what it says in verse 5, chapter 5, verse 3, and no one in heaven or earth or under the earth was able to open a scroll or to look into it. It's all kind of people that's claiming, oh, yeah, you know, I know what revelations mean. I was reading online as I was preparing for this. Somebody said, yeah, yeah, I know what this means, but, yeah, people saying Jesus is God. I don't believe that. I had to turn it off right there. I wish I could, like, Make an X on the screen. Because there's no way you can understand God's truth 
and not understand that it has to come from Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus is the key. He unlocks truth. If you don't got Jesus, you can't understand the Scripture. That's why people go into all these colleges and getting these degrees and don't know nothing about the Scripture. Because if you don't go to the college of Jesus, you don't get the degree of understanding. So don't come to me with some complex doctorate, theological understanding that's not based on Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and us obeying the word that is plainly written. If it's more complex than that, I don't want it. And neither should you. And number six, we have to ask ourselves this question. Why didn't God open the scroll himself? If he is worthy and the scroll is the purpose of God, why didn't he open it? Why did someone else have to? And as you ponder that, you're brought to this truth. God is unwilling to reveal his purpose without a savior. He will not bring forward the future without us having a chance of salvation. Psalms 2.12 says, kiss the son lest he be angry. Submit to Jesus now while there's still a chance for salvation. Let's close in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you, Lord, for your truths. We thank you for bringing us through this book of Revelations. We pray, Lord, that you would just continue to bless our church, Lord. Help us to submit to the Lamb. Revelations brings us vivid images, but they're meant to tell simple truths. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word in all its various forms. We have your word in mere law sometimes, like Leviticus. We got your word in stories. Like Genesis, we got your word in poetry, like the Psalms, in Proverbs, like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, prophecies, and visions. There's so many different ways that you use to tell us your truth. But it's all brought together in your son. And so, Lord, we thank you for using so many different avenues to reach our hearts. Because of this, we are saved, and we thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would just bless us in our understanding. In your name we pray, amen.